while there are flying objects in America's airspace. Are they aliens coming to rule over us? Are they something else? Should we care? Why isn't the media really talking about what's going on? Why isn't the government being more transparent? And then Ohio, what is happening there with the large explosion that is affecting not just the human population in East Palestine, Ohio, but also the animal population? We are going to break down everything that is happening with these two mysterious stories. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Good Ranchers. Go to GoodRanchers.com. Use promo code Allie at checkout. This is GoodRanchers.com, promo code Allie. All right. So we obviously have a lot to talk about today. First, we're going to talk about these Chinese spy balloons, UFOs, what is happening in our skies. And then we'll get to all of the Ohio stuff. I mean, it's all really kind of connected in one way or another. I don't mean that in a conspiratorial way. I just mean that I mean, all of this kind of has to do with each other and the leadership that we have selected uh, to watch out for the well-being of the American people. So first, we're going to talk to Jim Carafano. He is the director of the Douglas and Sarah Allison Center for Foreign Policy Studies at the Heritage Foundation. He is an adjunct professor at the Institute of World Politics. He is an expert in all of this stuff, and he is going to break down exactly what is happening with these unidentified flying objects. He actually says that they are are identified. We know exactly what they are. We know exactly why they are flying and what exactly that they're doing. He dispels what he thinks are a lot of myths and a lot of different theories that people are putting out there about what these balloons are. And he says that they absolutely matter. And in case you didn't know, I mean, there's a Chinese spy balloon that got shot down a couple weeks ago, was floating around, got shot down outside of Myrtle Beach on top of the ocean, but now there have been other objects that uh, Canada has shot down and that America has shot down and people are like, what the heck is going on? And so our next guest is going to tell us what the heck is going on and then we'll get into the catastrophe that's happening in Ohio. So without further ado, here is Heritage Foundation's Jim Carafano. Jim, thanks so much for joining us. All right, I'm just gonna let you go. Please explain to us what is flying in our airspace? What is Canada taking down? What are we taking down? What in the world are we supposed to think about all of this? Yeah. Can I start by explaining why it's not aliens? Just okay. kind of get that get that off the me. table here. Sure. No, yeah. Um, look, uh, if if you're geeky like I am, you actually re- read science books. There's actually a lot of science on this, and the 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 physical reality of it, well, first of all, they call it science fiction for a reason because it's fiction. Right? If, if you actually look at what you need to do intergalactic space travel, the level of energy and technology you need is so advanced mm-hmm. that that even if an alien race came to the here, we probably wouldn't recognize it because the level of is such so beyond where we are. They might not even recognize us as sentient beings. So mm-hmm. the notion that they're going to fly a balloon here, I mean, this is right. like something so that these is a are 1950s. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, they are. So, uh, and the fact that the US government official said, well, we're not ruling anything out just goes to show how, how ridiculous their whole information thing has been here. It's like, why cannot they just be straight with the American people? Yeah, you can tell them it's not an alien race. I mean, you can say that. I mean, that's just nonsense. And and the reality is, is 
they know exactly what this is. And the reason for that is because we know exactly what this is. And we know this not because we have access to classified information. I mean, I was in the military for 25 years. I, I read all the Tom Clancy novels. But the reality is, is if you just look at the publicly available information, it is pretty clear what's going on here. And, and I'm happy to explain why. So it starts yeah. with another news story, which we really haven't been paying attention to, which was... The US government recently announced actually something we all already already knew by looking at a lot of open source intelligence that China's been rapidly building out its nuclear forces hmm. uh, and that they now have more ICBM, International Continental Ballistic Missile Launchers than, than we do. So an ICBM is a missile that essentially can travel the length of the earth. So hmm. you can fire anywhere wow. in the world and a missile can get here in 30 minutes, and they're so big and powerful that they can carry a heavy payload. That's the thing on the top of the missile. And, and to take a, a nuclear weapon, you need a long-range, reliable delivery vehicle that can lift that. Hmm. That missile force is absolutely useless because these are largely designed to deterrent. They probably watch, you know, they probably stole somebody's password in there. Saw Netflix, The Last of Us. So they, they don't want to go there. They don't want to end the world in a nuclear holocaust but they want to be able to hold us at risk, to blackmail us and threaten us with nuclear confrontation, essentially the way the United States and the Russia did, the Soviet Union did during the Cold War. And to do with that, you not only have to have nuclear weapons, you have to demonstrate that you can put at risk the things the other person values. And those are two things. Part of it is, is called countervalue targets. That's basically our cities. Now. Obviously, those aren't very difficult to target because you you know get a Rand McNally at atlas if, yeah. or Google Earth, and you can do that. The other thing is called counterforce, which is the enemy's ability to strike you with nuclear weapons. Mm -hmm. And and for us, the the biggest portion of that are land-based bombers, which are basically in holes, hmm. sitting in big square states in the West, and and the bombers which fly from big airstrips in the West. Uh, now. You wouldn't think this, but to actually target these with nuclear weapons is hard because as big and powerful as a nuclear weapon is, yeah. you remember all these all these things were built during the Cold War to withstand an attack from Russian nuclear weapons. So to actually take out a missile silo, you have to like hit mm -hmm. the actual missile silo. Right. Um, and so you need very, very precise targeting, not the kind of stuff that you can get off, you know, commercial Google Earth or something like that. So they so they have satellites just like we have satellites, but the satellites have two limitations. One is well the earth rotates. And so the satellites aren't overhead very long. Mm -hmm. And and so they can only collect for a limited time and 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 we know when they're overhead because we know how the earth moves and we know where the satellite is. So you can actually cover up things on the ground you don't want the the satellite to see. So, um, and, and the, they're great for imagery intelligence, like pictures, but, uh, but they can't really necessarily gather other kinds of intelligence. So what is the perfect vehicle for gathering intelligence of US military nuclear assets, airfields, command and control facilities on the ground um, that would help you map out where things are and how to target them. And that's a combination of two things. It's called signals intelligence, basically listening to things. So for example, you know, anybody that you know watches 24 or any of the news shows, 
We see this all the time, right? The, the guy murders his girlfriend, takes her out and dumps her in the park. And then the next day he's arrested because the police you know, looked at his cell phone coverage and they saw exactly where he went, right? Okay, that's um, either SIGINT, which is listening to people's intelligence communications or MASINT, which is the, the signals that they send out like a radar signal or something else. What's the best way to collect that? Well, it's not from a satellite in space. It, it's not from ground because in ground you have what's called line of sight. If you can't see something, then the, the, those transmissions between you are masked by the physical feature in front of you, like a mountain or something. So you, the Chinese can buy land by the farm next to the missile field. Doesn't necessarily mean they'll be able to collect very effectively. Um, it's from a, a balloon at flying at altitude. And the reason for that is very simple. The balloon's there a long time. It moves very slow. It can collect a long time. And it doesn't have a light of sight problem. So these balloons are the perfect vehicle for the Chinese to try to collect the targeting data to make all their nuclear weapons useful. And everything we have seen so wow. far is consistent with that. Let me explain. So the first one, we, one, we know it's a Chinese balloon because the Chinese said it was their balloon. Yeah. Um, and they said it was a weather balloon, a civilian weather balloon that had wandered off course. We're not buying that, right? Well, so so two things. You know, one is if it had just wandered off course, the first thing they would have done was called the United States and told us. Mm. But they didn't do that. So mm. obviously they're lying. Mm -hmm. um, the second is, is the balloons are maneuverable. Third, they, they just happened to traverse all our military targets yeah, from the early need. warning system in Alaska and Canada to our missile fields, to all our military facilities throughout right. the United States. <laughs> so that's a lie. And the third is, is we actually recovered parts of it that show that that they had intelligence collection capability on that. Gosh. And the other thing is, I'm sure the government was monitoring the transmissions. I'm sure those transmissions were encoded. That means they were you know, encrypted, which, which you don't do for a weather balloon. So we know that's a lie. Now, all these other things, yeah, and we'll see what happens when they get wreckage and look at them, but they are consistent with a, a targeting campaign on the part of the Chinese. Because if they were going to do this, you know, they're only going to likely get one shot at this. I mean, I know they said, well, there were balloons before under Trump and they've been in other places, but we have no physical evidence that they've ever tried to traverse the entire American target array with a balloon collection thing. So if they were going to do that, they know they probably only have one shot at that and they probably want to get it right. So the answer is, is they're probably going to send multiple vehicles in different config configurations at multiple attitudes over the space of a couple of days to try to look for gaps in spaces in the US air defenses and, and radar to try to sneak through and get as much data as they could. So what we've seen in the last couple of days is completely consistent with that. So here's my problem. What I just told you, that is not a secret. Anybody could figure that out with half a brain. Why wouldn't a US government official stand up in front of the American people and say what I just said? And the answer is, that's, that's the real problem here, is why can't they just be that straight up with us? Right. Well, that's I want to know. I mean, what are your theories? Why wouldn't they be a little bit more transparent? As you said, there was a general who said it was uh, General Van Herc 
who said that they have not ruled anything out at this point when a journalist asked him, hey, are we talking about some extraterrestrial thing, which you've already debunked? And so, of course, all that's all that's going to do is to create a lot of not just curiosity, but a lot of anxiety and also facilitate a lot of conspiracy theories that I can't imagine are very helpful to all of this. So why wouldn't this administration, I know that you can't read their minds, but why wouldn't they just be a little bit more forthright with what is actually going on? Well, actually, I can read their minds, not because I can read minds, but for the same reason that mind readers on AGT mm-hmm. can read minds, because people are very predictable in what they're doing, right? So look, the, the this story actually gets to the, the, yeah. the real issue, which is the real, the real problem with this administration's foreign policy on China, which is the greatest strategic threat that the United States faces in the world today. And, it, and it's this way is, the administration wants it both ways. They want to appear to be tough on China. And the reason for that is simple, because the American people want our government to be tough on China, but mm-hmm. they don't really want to be tough on China. They, they want John Kerry to fly over there in his private jet and you know, eat chop suey with the you know, Chairman Xi and you know, cut ribbons at coal-fired mm-hmm. plants and stuff. They want Blinken to go over and have meaningless negotiations. They want to pretend that they are oh so smart and they can figure out how to just get along with the Chinese and you know import you know Chinese solar panels manufactured with slave labor. They they want to do that, so they want to be tough and not tough at the same time, and so they don't really want to talk about this threat in a serious way because because they don't want to be tough on China, but they want to seem like they're being tough on China. Hmm. So. It's, they have a policy that simply won't work and they can't let go of it. And that's, that's yeah. why they just can't be straight with us. All right, let me pause, tell you about our first sponsor for the day. And that is Eden Pure. So you can purify the air in your home, get healthy, clean, fresh smelling air, and you can get rid of the odors, the mold, the mildew, bacteria, viruses by using an air purifier from Eden Pure. It uses oxy technology that naturally sends out O3 molecules into the air, which seeks out odors and air pollutants in your home and destroys them. I love how small, compact these are. You plug it right into the wall. It works. You don't even notice it. You can even travel with it. People absolutely love this stuff. Right now, you can save $200 on an air Eden Pure Thunderstorm air purifier, a three pack for whole home protection. You'll get three units for under $200. That's an amazing deal. Other air purifiers can go for over $600. You're getting three for under $200. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. Put a discount code Allie to save that $200. EdenPureDeals.com. Promo code Allie. So what are your thoughts on how they have not just represented this, but their actions behind it. You know, a lot of people criticized them for not shooting down what we thought was the original Chinese spy balloon until it was, you know, outside Myrtle Beach in the ocean. Is that what they should have done? I mean, obviously, it would have already collected the data by then. But now we see them shooting down these balloons in different places, Canada doing the same thing. Are they going about this action-wise the right way? Well, yeah. I, I uh, if you look at the timeline, it's very clear that they knew this balloon was coming, the big balloon, because and that's not a surprise. It's a big giant blip in the sky. You can't miss it. It's emitting, sending out traffic. You can read that. It's it's consciously being guided on a flight path. You can see that. 
So there's no shock that the administration saw this thing coming like nobody's business. Um, they didn't say anything about this until the news broke. And then they didn't actually pull Blinken's trip until not just that the news broke, but that they realized how really angry people were at this. So I think the right. plan was was to let this balloon go over the country and send Blinken to China and pretend like wow. it never happened publicly. Wow. That was the plan. Now, what did they wow. do wow. when they actually saw everybody was upset and they said, okay, we're gonna respond to this and they kind of played Keystone Cops for a while and they actually shot it down. But what did they say to mitigate the whole thing? They said, oh, well, don't worry because we were jamming it the whole time it didn't collect any data. Well, let me tell you what's bad about that, which is um, if you are jamming an enemy, the one thing you want to do is tell, not tell them that you're jamming. You don't want them to know that you have that capability. You don't right. want them to know that you've targeted their systems. Yeah. Um, you don't want them to back engineer and figure out how you did that. What you actually would do when you jam is you jam in a way that the, they think that that it's not jamming. They think they, they just have bad equipment. You know, they went to Radio Shack and bought old stuff or something, right? So why did the government admit that it's jamming when that, that particular countermeasure is something normally you would keep classified because you don't want the enemy to know that? And the answer is they were in such a pickle here and they wanted to mitigate the thing. They just said, oh, we're jamming it. Well, great, except now you've just compromised an, a, a, right. a countermeasure against them. And why did you do that? Well, because the politics were bad and we were getting yelled at and we wanted to show people that we weren't, you know, kind of feckless. So we just, you know, yeah. you know, I, you give me an example when, 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 uh, you know, Sputnik flew overhead. One of the reasons why Eisenhower didn't freak out was he called, because he told the American people, you know, what we knew about that technology and 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 why that specific thing wasn't a problem but he did did say you know we have to be we have to be serious about the space race and getting capabilities in space and our defense capability this administration didn't say that so what does the story illustrate for us it illustrates that the chinese are rapidly seeking to have a nuclear capability that's as dangerous and as capable as either the United States or Russia. Mm -hmm. You would think that this administration would be using this whole story to highlight that. Instead, they haven't, they haven't even mentioned it. And, and they also haven't mentioned that we've known for years that China's building up its nuclear capability. The administration came in and they proposed cuts to our nuclear forces in, in both their first two years of office. Right. So their their response to dealing with this mushrooming nuclear threat is to dismiss and say, oh, don't worry about them trying to target us with nuclear weapons and actually decrease our nuclear capability. That is, this is this is why they, they're just literally tied. You know, it reminds me of the, you know, the, like the cheating husband mm. who just can't figure out ways to explain to his wife how he's really not cheating. But he also doesn't want to let go of a girlfriend, you know, mm -hmm. and he just kind of just goes through these. Not that I would know anything about that because I wouldn't. But th this is like people who are lying to themselves and other people because they want everything to just go their way. That's their problem. And of course, the Chinese, they just laugh at us. Right. Yeah. They see what's going on and they say, we just conducted the most aggressive targeting mission against the United States of any adversary in modern history. And and Joe Biden's response is, well, it's really not such of a big deal and really don't worry about it. 
And when yeah. can we when can we go back to China and start talking to them again? Yeah. That's his response. So was it just I mean, is it progressive ideology that motivates them to that kind of diplomacy and that kind of foreign policy? Because as you said, it really doesn't take that much brain capability to be able right. to see how we should be responding to this and how we should be representing this to the American people and the kind of strength that's necessary to push back against this and mitigate this threat. I mean, really, you don't have to be an expert to just kind of come to some kind of common sense conclusion. Right. And yet they're yeah. going about it in the opposite way. So is it just because progressives, you know, as I always say, they don't understand human nature. They don't understand how the world works. They don't understand diplomacy. Or is it like, is it something more nefarious? Is it like, does Joe Biden sure. have an interest in trying to go soft on China? It's hard for me to understand what that interest would be. Yeah. So I, I get there's kind of three answers to this question. I mean, it could be that they're just so well, that they're wedded to this belief in this new world order and just. Mm you know, that we can just fix everything, right? It, it could be that they're just bought and owned by the Chinese. And it could be they're just completely incompetent or a mixture of the three. And and the problem I have is like, how do we know? Because the result is the same, right? They are completely feckless against the most significant threat to our security in modern times. And Americans get this because, you know, this is different because the Chinese threat they see it in our own communities. Mm -hmm. They see Confucius Institutes. They they see Chinese buying land. Right. They right. they see them try. They, this China is not a foreign policy issue for Americans. It's a domestic issue. Mm -hmm. And and um, you know just like the border, uh, they see this as a problem for them, and they and they get the frustration. And you know, there is a connection here between the border and and the Chinese threat and in the in the sense that in both cases what we have are situations where we're seeing real threats and dangers to the American people China essentially wanting to plan a nuclear holocaust against the United States on the border we have millions of people poiling in and all the associated problems with that from crime and drugs and and an insecure border and terrorists coming in and by the way you know, a 800% increase in Chinese citizens sneaking in across the yeah, U.S. border. Yeah, I've seen that. Wow. And and what is the U.S., what is Biden's response? In both cases, it wasn't, oh, my God, here's a problem. We got to go fix this to protect the homeland for Americans. Their response is, it's not good for our politics to really address these problems. How can we kind of make them go away? Mm -hmm. you, know, I, you know, I've been in, in this business since 9-11. And if you look at the China threat to our air sovereignty that we just saw and the border threat that we've seen with millions of people pouring in illegally across the border, in both those respects, the U.S. is at more risk now than it was on 9-11. So tw decades of investment in thinking about homeland security and making sure 9-11 is never again, we are more vulnerable towards a 9-11 experience because what's happened in the last two years with our president than we were on 9-11. Wow. So, okay. So tell me your realistic timeline of events for how this plays itself out. I mean, are we looking at imminent nuclear war, Russia, no. China, US, or is there some optimism here? Like, do we have some time? 
Sure. I mean, well, look, I mean, the Chinese don't want to have a nuclear war with us because they don't want to be blown up either. Um, they, there's an ancient Chinese philosopher and with this idea of, of winning without fighting. They want to create a situation where they can basically run the table and have the United States collapse at their feet without yeah. actually fighting a war. And as, yeah. as I tell people, it's like, when the other guy is eating your lunch, they don't blow up the cafeteria. Right. So they want to intimidate us. They want us to back off, look the other way. Um, they don't really want to start a war. Um, they want Taiwan. I'm not sure they want to fight over Taiwan. But, but they want us to just walk away and let them take it. Mm -hmm. That's the goal. Yeah, that makes sense. And it seems like it's working, at least with this administration. The intimidation tactics do seem to be working. Well, thank you so much for this insight. Is there anything else that you think that just the average American should know about what's going on? Yeah, no, I do. To me, this this whole notion of putting politics ahead of Homeland Security is really something we're just not wrapping our hands around. Look, you know, we just saw these horrific train derailments in mm -hmm. the middle of the country, mm -hmm. catastrophic. You know, for those people, that's as bad as any 9-11 in New York City. We're not talking about it. We're not responding to it. Um, we built all, we built the Department of Homeland Security. We built to really immediately respond and address these kinds of issues. And yet our government just doesn't seem interested in focus. It's as if we've we failed to understand what's happening in the modern world. Russia, Iran, North Korea, um, China. These these con these people want a world without us. And and this administration seems oblivious to that. And they think they can just they can just wish it away with a couple of press conferences and a treaty here and there, or you know, and 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 some green energy. Um, thank you so much, Jim, for taking the time. This was really, really helpful how you broke it all down for us. I know people are going to appreciate this explanation. So thank you. Um, people can follow you um, on Twitter. We've got your handle up on the screen. Anywhere else they can follow your work? Yeah, I am on Substack. In, in addition to talking about national security, I have a really cool travel log. Awesome. Well, we will link so, we will link the Substack in the description of this episode. People can click on it and find it. And Heritage.org. Heritage yes. is awesome stuff. Yes, um, I agree. Go there. I agree. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Wasn't that fascinating? I was so raptured when he was explaining exactly what was going on. I'm so appreciative of his insight. All right. Before we get into the rest of it, let me tell you guys about our next sponsor, and that is master work. So you guys know there's a financial war against the middle class right now. It's no secret because you are feeling it. We've got higher gas prices. We've got higher mortgage rates. We've got higher grocery prices. You're feeling it in your wallet. Household debt is soaring at its fastest pace since the 2008 crisis, but there are options. So I've been talking about Masterworks since 2021. Now it's more important than ever. Masterworks allows you to invest in 
artwork. You can get an amazing return on your investment. Over $25 million last year returned to their investors. In fact, every deal Masterworks has closed has been for net returns over 9%. They are the real deal. They're SEC qualified pieces from legends like Picasso or portfolio diversifiers and potential return drivers. We're not talking about some like Hunter Biden splatter paint. We're talking about real artwork that you can invest in and see a real return on your investment. These are the kinds of smart investments that you want to be making right now when things are so unstable. Go to masterworks.art slash Allie to learn more. Masterworks.art slash Allie. See important regulation A disclosures at masterworks.com slash CD. That's masterworks.art slash Allie. Okay, so you heard Jim mention at the end what's happening in Ohio with this train derailment. You probably saw on Twitter, on social media, that there was like a Chernobyl-style explosion in East Palestine, Ohio. That is a town in Ohio, and there was a lot of confusion about what actually went on. What is this explosion? Is it some kind of chemical plant? What in the world is going on? You see the picture if you're watching on YouTube? I mean, what? That is huge. That is a huge explosion. You can kind of see the clouds and see the effect that that is going to have there. I mean, that looks like literally a a Chernobyl style explosion. And yet it has been so hard to actually find any official reporting on it. You would think that there would be wall to wall coverage in the mainstream media on this. And yet, as is typical with some of the most important stories in our country, We have to rely on people on Twitter, on the ground people, local reporters, which God bless them. God bless all those people, Substack writers, kind of like amateur researchers and things like that to tell us what the heck, what the heck is going on. It shouldn't be that way, but I'm almost glad that it is because it kind of allows It allows the democratization of information and rather than having a monopoly of expertise at CNN or even Fox News or places like that, like we can get our information from people who are not bound to a certain brand. They're not bound to a certain corporation who really just care about the truth and they're not even coming at it from a partisan perspective. However, it also hurts our trust in the media that and it hurts our trust in the government as we wonder, okay, why isn't this being covered? And so I'm going to do the best that I can to summarize what is going on. I'm very thankful to my producer and my researcher for summarizing all of the information and the different information out there that's trying to kind of make sense of what this disaster is. And so let me try to summarize it for you the best I can. Then I'll tell you the important details. There are lots of theories also about what's going on. People laying blame at different people's feet and things like that. And we'll talk about it. We we will continue to talk about this. I can't talk about all the details of this today, but I just want to make sure that we know what's going on. And most of all, that we are praying for all of the people that are affected. As you will hear as I explain this, like there are some really deadly consequences to this explosion. So this is summarized um, from different media outlets. Um, About 50 cars derailed in East Palestine, Ohio. It's about an hour north of Pittsburgh, almost halfway to Cleveland. Um, Norfolk Southern has a rail line that goes right through town. This derailment happened right on the edge outside of town on the border of Pennsylvania and Ohio. This happened at about 9 p.m. Eastern time, Friday, February 3rd. So yeah, this happened on February 3rd. Today is February 14th. This might be the first time that some of you are hearing about this. I didn't hear about this until a couple days ago. When I read this in my document that it happened on February 3rd, I almost didn't believe it because, I mean, I try to pay attention to this kind of stuff and even I did not know about it. 
So a train was carrying a variety of products from uh, Madison, Illinois to Conway, Pennsylvania via rail operator uh, Norfolk Southern. There was no immediate information about what caused the derailment. No injuries or damage to structures were reported, but people are reporting things like dead chickens, injured and sick pets because of all of the chemicals that are involved um, in this that are very toxic and cancer causing and sickness causing. Um uh, uh, and so people are also talking about symptoms in humans, such as burning eyes and nausea. And obviously, like these are just the acute symptoms. We don't even know the long term chronic symptoms of all of this. And we'll talk a little bit more about the chemical makeup of what's going on and some of the effects of that. Residents one mile out from the crash were ev- evacuated about 2000 people. Norfolk Southern said 20 of the more than 100 train cards were classified as carrying hazardous hazardous materials to find as cargo that could pose any kind of danger, including flammables, combustibles, or environmental risks. 14 cars carrying vinyl chloride were involved in the derailment and have been exposed to fire, and at least one is intermittently releasing the contents of the car through a pressure release device as designed. Vinyl chloride is used to make PVC, a hard plastic uh, material that is used in a variety of plastic products like um, uh, plastic, uh, like plastic pipes, like you've heard of like a PVC pipe. It's associated with increased risk of liver cancer, other cancers, according to the federal government's National Cancer Institute. Federal officials said that they were also concerned about posi- other uh, possibly hazardous materials. Inhaling the fumes of this can induce dizziness, nausea, breathing complications. And as I said, it's been linked to cancer of various organs. Previous spills of vinyl chloride have shown that exposure can affect um Organs like the lungs and the kidney, liver may increase the risk of miscarriage and birth defects. So when I compare this to Chernobyl, it's really not that far off. I mean, we might not be looking at as drastic effects as we saw at Chernobyl, um, but it is absolutely uh, a possibility that we are going to see similar things. Some of the toxins also spilled into the Ohio River, which prompted officials to shut down water production in the area and switch to an alternate source. Animals near the site of the derailment are reportedly not just falling ill, as I said, but also dying. There was a a whole um, a whole lot of chickens that apparently died. And by the way, like it's just crazy how much we've seen that around the country that these chicken facilities. These facilities that are not just making chicken, um, that are that are don't just have chickens, but also the facilities that are um, manufacturing, that are getting the eggs that we need, that they are blowing up, that they're exploding. I mean, what is happening? I, I don't know if these things are linked. I'm not saying that. I know that there's a lot of conspiracy theories out there, and I try to really tread lightly on that. But when we don't get a lot of transparency and all of these things keep happening and we're told that there's no connection whatsoever, and actually we're told very little information from the government and from the media who pretend to be the guardians of truth and democracy, of course you're going to get people just scratching their heads and asking questions. Why does this keep happening to similar kinds of food facilities? And why is no one sounding the alarm saying, hey, we've got a pattern. This is negatively affecting the American people. Not only in some cases do they not even have access to their basic needs, but they have to pay way more money than they can afford to access their basic needs like chicken and like eggs. So again, I mean, I just, it could definitely be a coincidence that this is happening and I will err on the side of that. 
But I will just say it's strange and it's okay to detect patterns. Detecting patterns and asking questions and critically thinking doesn't make you a conspiracy theorist. It just makes you a thinking person. It means that you are accessing the part of your brain that God gave you to ask questions and to try to piece things together. We are uh, puzzle piecing people. I think that is just part of human nature and how God created us. It's okay to use that part of your brain, especially when we don't have all of the information. A dairy farmer near the area reported that several foxes on his property have become sick, exhibiting symptoms such as coughing and diarrhea, watery eyes. So anyway, that this is just affecting a lot of people, a lot of animals in the area. Mayor Trent Conaway, who earlier declared a state of emergency, citing the train derailment with hazardous materials, said air quality monitors throughout a one mile zone ordered evacuation. Um, but had shown no dangerous reading. So I guess that's good. Kind of hard to believe, but that's good. Initially, officials said drinking water was safe despite discoloration due to the volume being pumped to fight the blaze, but some runoff had been detected in streams, um, but rail officials were working to stem that, prevent it from going downstream. And so it's just a whole mess here. And I don't want to blame the people that are working on this. I don't want to blame people who shouldn't be blamed. I don't want to blame necessarily the local politicians or the people who are going there to try to mitigate further harm and further emergencies. I'm sure that they are doing the absolute best job that they possibly can with all of the equipment and the resources that they have. So I'm not trying to say... um I'm not trying to say that they're not doing a good job, but obviously, like, there are just some problems here. This is a huge problem. Uh, The East Palestine Police Department is now saying, they're now saying uh, that drinking water may actually be at risk for some residents. So, sorry if you drink the water after we told you that it was fine. Actually, uh, it might be a little bit risky. So, this was days after official Officials gave the all clear for residents to return to their homes and to drink their water. Oh, my goodness. Like, what in the world do what in the world do we are we doing to people? The Ohio Emergency Management Agency created a controlled explosion and then steady venting of the gas. So crews in Ohio began to release the hazardous chemicals from five of the train cars Um, in essence, kind of blowing them up so they don't leak because they were afraid of an even bigger, more disastrous explosion. This is after the original explosion when there was train, when there was the original train derailment. And so they needed to do a controlled explosion, thinking that this would cause less damage than just a spontaneous um, uh, combustion. And so it was it was a, a way to just kind of control the chemicals. However, people are saying that this has been really bad that this has been a disaster um here's someone again saying that after this controlled explosion that chickens more chickens were dying amanda brashears was going to feed her five hens and rooster this morning when she discovered them all lifeless practically in the same position with no signs of a predator entering their enclosure Brashear says her chickens were alive and well yesterday. She believes the smell following the detonation of the train carrying chemicals that derailed in East Palestine is to blame for her bird's sudden death. My video camera footage shows my chickens were perfectly fine before they started this burn. And as soon as they started the burn, my chickens slowed down and they died. So this was after the controlled burn, which again, as you 
saw, if you were watching this on YouTube, that that was also a very large plume of smoke that looked like an explosion. And I feel so bad for this lady. I mean, people rely, obviously, on their chickens. This is not someone who seems to be manufacturing um, chickens and, and eggs, but this is someone who seems to rely on these chickens for her own eggs. And now all her chickens are dead. I mean, how disturbing is that? That's like part of every scary horror movie is like a dead animal. This seems like a horror movie. And actually, there was a a movie made that had a very similar plot to what is going on that we will talk about in just a second. Again, very strange coincidences going on here. And then there was this guy who said that, look, we basically nuked the town through this controlled release. This was really bad. Here he is. We basically nuked a town with chemicals so we could get a railroad open. There's a lot of what-ifs, and we're going to be looking at this thing 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the line and wondering, gee, cancer clusters could pop up, you know, well water could go bad. So kind of as we mentioned a couple minutes ago, the effects of this, while they are happening right now, I mean, again, we are talking about 15 to 20 years from now, could still be happening. I mean, this is already a poor part of the country that has been so often overlooked by our politicians. We're talking about mostly, you know, the white working class hillbilly allergy kind of type people here that have just been so often ignored. Their jobs have been shipped overseas and their economies have been hollowed out. And there's a lot of I'm not saying in this particular town, I've never been to East Palestine, but this and this kind of region, um, there tends to be a lot of poverty and um, despair here. And so I also have to wonder, like, is that part of why uh, we're not really a lot of people aren't talking about this? Is this part of why this isn't um, a bigger deal? And you wonder, okay, who is in charge of this exactly? Like, how did this happen? And how is this such a disaster that apparently couldn't have been avoided, couldn't have been mitigated at all? And hey, is it not weird that we are seeing a lot of transportation type disruptions as we have over the past couple of years? Because this is not the only derailment that is happening or has happened, by the way. There was another train derailment in Houston, Texas, and another one in South Carolina. Um, There was another derailment. uh, The one in Houston was February 13th, and so um, yesterday, and then the one in South Carolina also happened yesterday, and so it was Monday morning that the Montgomery County, Texas derailment happened. The one in South Carolina derailed just after 4 p.m. And so we're seeing these kinds of disasters as well as the terrifying stories that we're seeing about planes almost running into each other, almost crashing, the not crashing. And look, I'm not trying to scare you. Like I'm I'm someone who travels. I don't want to think about this. I don't want to talk about this, but I do think that we need some answers about why our, I don't know, our transportation secretary, Pete Buttigieg, is failing so much at his job. I'm not saying that he can control all disasters. I mean, things happen. I'm not saying that he is omnipotent by any means, but over the past couple of years, we've seen a lot of this, what seems like incompetence at best and corruption at worst and he is in charge and my concern is is maybe 
not only that he isn't leading well, but that he doesn't actually seem to address these issues or care about them or present any solutions. Instead, he's constantly talking about things like, oh, you know, our roads are are racist and we need to make sure that we don't have racist overpasses or whatever it is. I mean, he's more concerned with DEI initiatives and um, imaginary anti-racist work when it comes to constructing our crosswalks than he is issues that actually threaten people's lives. And in fact, um, here is Pete Buttigieg yesterday. He was speaking at a conference yesterday morning, um, the National Association of Counties Conference, and he couldn't find it in his heart or mind to mention some of the catastrophes that we're talking about, to talk about what is happening in Ohio and how the people in Ohio um, are being affected by this. But here's what he did have the energy to point out. To work with your contractors, uh, to work with your community colleges on building a workforce that reflects the community. We have heard way too many stories from generations past of infrastructure where you got a, a neighborhood, often a neighborhood of color, that finally sees the project come to them, but everyone in the hard hats on that project looking like, uh, uh, you know, doing, doing the good paying jobs don't look like they came from anywhere near the neighborhood. Right. You can build community wealth that will help close wealth ga- gaps in this country if we can tear down those barriers. Okay, so did you hear that? It's not that the projects aren't happening in these uh, diverse neighborhoods. It's that the construction workers are too white. That's his concern. We need more BIPOC construction workers. That's gonna that's gonna make that's that's gonna make all the difference in the world, Pete. And for those of you who say, well, he can do both. He can do both. He can focus on these diversity initiatives, and he can do everything else. The point is, he's not right. The point is, he's not. He has no expertise. Remember, the the one qualification that he said that he had when he started this job was that he always liked trains. Okay, so does every four-year-old boy. And apparently, his liking of trains doesn't equip him to be able to deal with the kind of catastrophes that we are seeing when it comes to train derailments. So there are quite a few theories about what is going on here. One, as we just mentioned, is the theory that it's just incompetence, that our federal government, that even state governments, in some cases, they're just incompetent, that this is something that could have been avoided, but it wasn't avoided. And I'm not sure exactly the details of what could have been changed here to um, prevent this from happening. But a lot of people are just pointing out that, unfortunately, um, safety is being compromised when it comes to all forms of transportation right now. Some of it has to do with COVID lockdowns. I was reading an article yesterday about just how our aviation industry is struggling so much because so many senior pilots retired during COVID and so many uh, senior pilots were actually told to retire. So many people were laid off during COVID, not because of COVID, but because of the lockdowns, because our government decided to, and state governments especially, decided to basically shut down our economy and fearmonger to people to tell them that they need to stay inside in order to love their neighbor and save grandma. And so then we decimated our um our air travel industry, a bunch of people got laid off. Now they're trying to build their staff back. I mean, people probably aren't going to come out of retirement because why would they? And so they're rapidly hiring new pilots, trying to train new pilots. And I just saw um, 
an article by the New York Times saying that it's not just that they want to hire new pilots, these airline corporations, but they want to make sure that their pilots aren't just white men. So, I mean, part of the part of the problem here is that we've got a priority problem. We've got an ideology problem. We've got a focus problem here rather than focusing on merit, rather than focusing primarily on excellence and competence and who can do the job and just allowing diversity to happen as it will. They've got their priorities backwards and people are going to suffer because of that. And that is that me saying that white men are the only people that can be competent pilots? I'm not. I think that there are all kinds of people that can be competent pilots, but competence has to be the number one priority. Safety has to be the top priority. Everything else comes after that. But we've got it exactly backwards, as progressivism also always does. And so I think part of the struggles that we're facing now, part of the close calls that we're seeing and some of the catastrophes that we're seeing is because of the COVID policies that gutted all of these industries, all of the people that were laid off, all of the people that went into early retirement because we shut down our economies. And also, I think just bad priorities when it comes to hiring and when it comes to training. And we are all, all already seeing the manifestations of that. And unfortunately, I think that we will continue to. Now, some people are saying that um, the things like the balloons, like we just talked about, are a distraction from what's happening in Ohio. Some people, of course, think that this is purposeful, that they are purposely poisoning our farmlands, poisoning our water systems. And look, like there are a lot of theories out there. And I don't as I said, really blame people for trying to piece things together, even if it seems like a conspiracy theory. Like, I don't really blame people for that. That's what happens in the absence of transparency. That's what happens in the absence of honesty and information. And when so many things, so many similar things are happening to our food supply, of course, you are going to have people asking questions and asserting theories. Someone made the point, which I don't think that she's any kind of expert, but she said this on Twitter and it was shared a lot that there are 75,000 farms in Ohio. 90% of them are family farming operations. And there was just a toxic chemical incident there that was intentionally released with barely a whisper. And this has untold direct food supply chain impact. And so she's not really making any assertions there. She's not drawing any conclusions, but I think uh, a lot of people are taking that information and saying, well, is this purposeful? Is this, again, a part of the pattern where we see all of these chicken facilities, these egg facilities, these different kinds of meat facilities exploding randomly, and we are not given any kind of explanation for it? And again, we know that the chemical release was actually purposeful and that it has potentially created more of a disaster than the original derailment did. And so we're seeing all of this even as there's a perfect storm hitting the U.S. crop planning, um, uh, the U.S. crops right now, fertilizer costs are soaring and protracted drought conditions causing farmers to plant smaller quantities in different types of crops. And all of this, of course, doesn't just affect the farmers. It affects all of us who are shopping at grocery stores. We have to do everything that we can to try to shop local and to try to support these farmers as much as we can. But I understand that also gets difficult depending on where you live. And I just want to emphasize like how big of a thing this is that since 2021, since 2021, oh my goodness, I got to scroll down. There have been 98, 
instances of fires destroying food processing plants. 98, starting in January of 2021, the latest one um, in, was in Hillendale Farms in Connecticut. 100,000 chickens killed in a fire. That's one of the country's top egg producers. And like we are told that there's nothing going on here. There's nothing happening here. Again, I don't know if what's happening in Ohio is connected to those 98 instances. I'm just saying, like, we've got a problem and we've got to figure it out, right? Like, can we say that without someone labeling me a conspiracy theorist? I'm just saying that there's a problem that's affecting people and we've got to figure it out. But this does not help, by the way, our tinfoil hats. The fact that there is a movie called White Noise that takes place in a fictional college town in Ohio was partially filmed in East Palestine and used citizens of East Palestine as extras. And a train accident in this movie casts a cloud of chemical waste over a town. This airborne toxic event causes a mass evacuation. Exposed people are forced to quarantine. The film features a lack of media attention regarding regarding the accident. Isn't that weird? And this was reported by WKBN News. Film to real life. East Palestine derailment reflects Ohio movie. It came out in 2022. What? The family follows, or the movie follows a family after a train hits a tanker truck, creating a chemical cloud that then had all these negative effects on the town. It's just weird. It's just weird, people. I don't, so I don't know. I don't know exactly what's going on. I wish I did. I wish I had more answers for you. I mean, praise God for everyone who is sending aid there, who is donating money to those who need it. Let us pray. Let us do what we can to try to help. Some of you have reached out to me because you've been affected by it, because your friends have been affected by it. You live an hour away and you don't know, like, how downstream is this going to go? So my goodness, I mean, there's so much to think about and so much to care about. And like all of this, not having answers to any of this, not having solutions to any of this is part of it's part of why voting matters. It's part of why politics matter. Not all of this can be controlled by politics. I'm not saying that this is all Joe Biden's fault, but leadership matters. The choices that they make matter. The choices that we make when electing our leaders matter. When you elect people that don't care about the country, that care more about looking good to China than they do actually putting the interest and the well-being and the safety and the security of their people first, you get wickedness. You get disaster. You get catastrophe. I personally think that's what's going on here. All right, that's all we've got time for today. Before we go, let me tell you about something that's exciting, though. My colleague, Jason Whitlock, he hosts the show Fearless on Blaze TV. He's got a conference coming up on um, April 15th, and it's in Nashville, Tennessee for men. And it's called Fearless Army Roll Call. It's an all-day event to encourage men to put on the full armor of God to take a stand against the evil forces trying to destroy America, our culture, our morality, all of that. Roll Call will inspire, uplift, and entertain. Jason Whitlock is awesome men you are absolutely going to love this conference and be edified by it so it's in nashville april 15th check it out go to fearlessarmyrollcall.com fearlessarmyrollcall.com for more information all right that's all we got time for today we will see you back here tomorrow